my name's Josh. Uh, I live here in Edinburgh. I've lived here in Edinburgh now for gosh, seven and a half years, I think. Uh, And I've uh, gone to church all that time. Um, I work for a church now, which is really brilliant. Um, But my story, uh, which we'll get onto a bit later, uh, isn't as smooth as that, and we'll explore some of that. But can you do me a favour? Can you humour me? And uh, why don't you turn to somebody that you came with and and just ask them a really simple question. What's important to you? What's something that's really, really important to you? Why don't we spend a couple of minutes just doing that now? Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I I wouldn't ask you to do something I wouldn't do myself. Uh, As Dan said, I am passionate about Portsmouth Football Club. Uh, I'm also passionate about uh, the drums. I play the drums. They're important to me. Uh, I got married this summer. Yes. Yes, she's amazing. Uh, Laura is, of course, important to me. I'm not ranking these in order, by the way. It doesn't go drums, (laughs) football club. No, it doesn't do that. Um, why Jesus? That's, that's what this morning's about. Why Jesus? Why on earth would we talk about Jesus? Uh, how does Jesus have an impact on our lives today? How possibly could a man who was born 2,000 years ago from a virgin birth, what on earth is that? What's a virgin birth? How do we know that wasn't just uh, Mary lying? A man who was born from this strange circumstance in a country I've never been to, speaking a language I've never spoken so long ago. Why on earth would that have an impact on my life today? Why, Jesus? It's a ridiculous notion that somebody from so long ago would have a personal impact on my life. In fact, actually, I struggle to believe that somebody from that long ago could possibly have such an impact on my life today. Maybe you sit there and you wonder the same thing. Why on earth... Would Jesus be important to me today? And that, I think that is really nicely articulated. But I do believe that uh, for everybody, absolutely everybody, I believe that that question kind of stirs inside of them. But the, the question kind of changes, the words change. But I think at the root of, of all things, actually, I think there is that question, why Jesus? But it kind of looks different sometimes. And one of the ways that I've found uh, Jesus to be impactful for me in my life is there's this one verse in the Gospels, which is uh, uh, one of the books in the New Testament of the Bible. The, the Bible is divided into so many different books and the Gospels are like the story of this person, Jesus. Uh, and in one of the Gospels, um, he's quoted as saying, I have come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. So if Jesus is real, And if what he says is real, then his promise is, if you believe in him, then you'll have life in all of its fullness. So I guess my question now, and this is maybe what the question looks like often before before we realise it's actually why Jesus, maybe the question now is what fulfills me? What's the thing that fulfills me? What fulfills you? What fulfills you? I asked you what's important to you because often the things that are important to us They're the things that we look for for purpose and for meaning. You might have said um, my marriage, or you might have said my kids, or you might have said my job, or the thing that I'm studying, or or whatever, the thing that you're passionate about or really talented at. You might have said, oh, that's really important. And you look for purpose from that thing. You look for fulfillment from that thing. I think the core of the human condition is asking that question. It's looking for fulfillment. It's looking for life in all of its fullness. That's what we're searching for. That's what we're hungry for, isn't it? 
Like, why do we work so hard? Why do, we, why, do we, why do we go to university and work our socks off? I mean, there's no guarantee of a job at the end. In fact, there's less guarantee of a job at the end now. If you're a student, I'm sorry. That's terrible news for you to hear, but it's true. But, and yet we're working, working hard, moving faster, moving faster. We're dreaming about marriage. We're dreaming about a home that we're going to have one day. We're dreaming about having a car in our garage. We're dreaming about having a garage. I don't have a garage yet. I'd love a garage. What fulfills us? We're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for that sense. We're looking for that thing uh, that when we go to bed at night and, and nobody else is there and all the lights are out and we rest our head on the pillow, we're all looking for peace, aren't we? We're looking for that sense of, I've arrived. I'm at rest. I'm satisfied. I'm content. I don't know about you, um, but that question is in me. That question doesn't go away. And sometimes when I rest my head on the pillow, I do really ask that question, am I at peace? Am I truly at peace? Am I at rest? Am I happy with the way things are going in my life? And sometimes, even today, sometimes those, that, that, that question doesn't come back to me positively. Sometimes I still wrestle and I still ask that question, what is fulfilling me? Am I going after the things that fulfill me or am I going after empty things that don't fulfill me? Is there more to life than this? Maybe you've never really asked that question. Maybe you've never really asked it that articulately. But when you look at your life, can you see that you're, you're hungry for something? You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning in it all. I've got a few quotes for you. Russell Brand said this. He said, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution. Russell Brand uh, is a comedian, a TV presenter, written books. He, he does lots of different things. Um, but his kind of the, the main arc of his story is he spent a lot of his life addicted to many different things. And he talks about this hole that he had inside of him that he was trying to stuff things into. Maybe, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe that's how you would phrase it. There's a hole inside of you and you're trying to fill it with stuff, with things, with possessions, with achievements, with talents, with some form of purpose that you're looking for. But it's like trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. It's just not quite fitting. You've not found that thing yet. Freddie Mercury, lead singer of the band Queen. By the way, Queen is very important to me. I'm a huge fan of Queen. You can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. Again, he's somebody that was looking to stuff things into his life that would bring him that fulfillment and that satisfaction, and yet he recognized at the end of his life that despite having all of those things that he dreamed of, there was still something missing. And he terms it as a relationship. A relationship. Jim Carrey, comedian and actor, said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. We've got a theme here, haven't we? We've got a theme here of these people who maybe even some of us would idolize. We would think they've made it. They've done it. Freddie Mercury would perform to, to crowds of 60, 70, 80,000 people. People would worship him. Have you seen the Live 8 video of everyone doing the Red Eel Gaga thing? 
Everyone's got their hands in the air, a bit like this morning, people putting their hands up in the air in worship. People are doing that to Freddie Mercury and Queen. And yet, despite all of that, there was something missing. He still was asking that question. Is there more to life than this? There has to be more to life than this. But why Jesus? Why on earth would I choose Jesus? Um, Especially, you know, even if we ignore the fact that it's 2,000 years old and all that kind of stuff, um, you come to church, maybe this is your first time in church, and church is full of weirdos. Church is full of weirdos. I'm sorry, it's true. In fact, actually, I'm afraid that I'm becoming one of those weirdos. But church is full of strange people. They smile at you when you come in. You're like, you don't know me, bro. Don't smile so nicely at me. And they're like, you've got to shake their hand and then they hug you and you've got your hand crushed into them. That sort of thing is going on. And then the worship comes on. You think the music sounds really cool. This is great. Am I now at a concert? And then people are like singing along and they're putting their hands up in the air and stuff. And, it's, and then people come up and share stuff that God is saying to them now. What on earth? Church is weird. But there's something going on. There's something deeper. When, when you see these people worshipping up here or you look around and you see people worshipping here or when people come and share what they feel like God has said, there's always love. There's always passion. There's always something. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at that and I think, gosh, I want that. What have they got? What have they got? What's the thing that's fulfilling them? It looks good. But how could it be Jesus? Why Jesus? Uh, on Alpha, whether you just do the first night or you do the whole thing, um, the kind of essence of Alpha is it's all about stories, really. That's the aim of the game. It's all about stories. We, uh, when, when we bring people on Alpha, we want to meet you. We want to get to know you. Uh, maybe we want you, want you to get to know us a bit. And there's no agenda. It's not, it's not intense. There's no pressure. We just want to get to know people. And then as we share stories, we also hear about the story of Jesus this person called Jesus. And then, and then over the course of Alpha, we start to wonder, well, maybe, just maybe, his story might fit into my story and my story might fit into his story. And you might find that over the course of Alpha, that is the case. And you might actually find that by the time you get to the end of Alpha, you're like, hold on, now I realise, now I know, now I think I know why Jesus. Or maybe you won't. There's no pressure. You don't have to sign away your soul. This isn't a cult. But that's kind of what happens on Alpha. And in the theme of Alpha, I go to a different church. So I'm, not, I'm not going to get to do Alpha with you, which is a shame. Um, but I'm going to share a bit of my story, actually. I, uh, I grew up in what people would call a Christian home. My, my parents went to church and they were really passionate about church. It wasn't just like a traditional thing. And my wife uh, is from Northern Ireland. She's from a very rural part of Northern Ireland. And church for her growing up was very much a, you did it so that you looked good in the village that you, that you grew up in. Do you know what I mean? No, their parents didn't really believe it, um, but they did it because that's what everybody did on a Sunday. If you were caught out not doing that on a Sunday, you were like the black sheep of the village kind of thing. But for me, it was different. I, um, I grew up uh, in the church. My parents were really passionate about it. Um, uh, they never forced it on me, but they brought me along on Sundays. But then when I, I, when I became a teenager, I started to, to have a bit more freedom and, and my, the group of friends that I grew up with um, had never been to church, never touched church, didn't want anything to do with church. Uh, the kind of stuff that we would do, uh, we would spend weekends uh, essentially uh, trying to, posing in photos, looking hard. And <laughs> which, by the way, I just got married and there were a few of our wedding photos where Laura's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your face? 
I've still obviously got that ingrained in me that when a photo comes out, you've got to look hard. Um, I wasn't hard. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed about that, actually. Um, but uh, we would either be doing that or we would be drinking or we would be uh, uh, smoking dope or whatever. That's, that's kind of what, what I did growing up. Uh, but I still went to church on Sundays because I played drums, as I said, and they would ask me to play drums. And I thought, hey, that's kind of fun. Uh, so I would do that. Um, uh, but increasingly, as I grew older... I started to kind of, there was this divide happening. There was the kind of church part of my life, which was becoming increasingly irrelevant to me. And then there was this kind of side of my life where I had loads of friends and I was having loads of experiences and it was really fun. And uh, often that, that, in fact, that was growing and taking over my life. And I went to university and uh, uni was great. um, But again, that divide was growing. I would go to church on a Sunday because I felt like that was important. Um, but increasingly I was coming to church really hungover or uh, I was coming to church after um, being on a, a two or three day bender. My, the, the partying part of my life was um, getting intense. Uh, I, I'd moved from things like smoking dope to taking class A drugs and doing all that kind of thing. And uh, I, hear me wrong, this isn't like a, a, an addict uh, come uh, into recovery kind of story. Um, Mike Skinner, the lead singer of a band called The Streets, he talks about drugs like this. He says, um, I, whenever I took drugs, I always made sure I bought a return ticket. So whenever I took drugs, I always made sure that I, I took it in a way that I never did anything I couldn't come back from. That was kind of like my story. I wasn't taking drugs because it was taking over my life. I was taking drugs because I was hungry for experiences. My addiction was I was, I was, I was addicted to experience. I wanted to experience close friendships. I wanted to experience fun things. I started uh, having lots of different kinds of relationships. I started sleeping around, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, And really what I was doing is I was trying to stuff something into my life. There was this hole in my life that maybe I felt once uh, I knew the answer to, but had somewhere along the way uh, got caught up doing loads of other things. That was kind of my story. I never didn't believe in God. I've always kind of believed that there must be something up there, you know, whether I was praying to him or hoping for things or whatever, there was always just something kind of up there above me and uh, I didn't really understand that. And so I kind of had this journey of figuring things out, looking for what really fulfills me. You know, I'm a big fan of Portsmouth Football Club and I would be astounded by, by the way that I would, I, you'd go to Fratton Park and it could be pouring with rain and yet the, it is, the place is packed out. There's this guy called um, John Portsmouth Football Club, Anthony Westwood, that's his name. And he's covered from head to toe in tattoos and he bangs a drum literally from the first whistle to the last whistle. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. The guy literally worships Portsmouth Football Club. And you'd look around and you've got this whole stadium full of people who would worship Portsmouth Football Club and there would be something in me that would ask this question of, how could you be so devoted to that? What are you getting from it? You know, they don't just go for the experience. There's a belief that lies there underneath that even in the pouring rain, they'll go out to see Portsmouth Football Club. And you meet, uh, you meet or speak to, to John Portsmouth Football Club, Anthony Westwood, and he would talk about how his marriage broke down how his whole family situation collapsed because he gave his life to Portsmouth Football Club. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm inspired and intrigued by the belief, but I can see that that belief is damaging and not really going anywhere. 
And so again, I'm just asking this question, what fulfills me? What's important to me? What's going to give me life in all of its fullness? And then I started to take Jesus a bit more seriously. And then I started to say to God, you know what, God, if you're real and that's your promise, you've got to make that real in me then. And for me in my story, I didn't just learn about this person from 2,000 years ago. And it wasn't this lofty idea above my head. I discovered somebody who was real, who was alive, who wanted to meet me today. And that sounds wacky and wild if that's a new thing for you to hear. But I have to say that that journey of meeting Jesus is the best thing I've ever experienced in my life. It's the best decision I've ever made to follow God. Coming to church on a Sunday, being a part of a community of people who believe that too, are some of the best things I ever do with my time. I mean, I'm married and I'm learning about what it means to to be in a loving, committed relationship and do all of that kind of stuff. And Laura is exceptionally important to me in my life. She's wonderful. But she's not my number one. Jesus is. And please understand, Laura's amazing, but she can't fulfill me the way that Jesus does. I mean, that's the level of fulfillment that I feel in Jesus, that it goes beyond any other human relationship that I have. Jesus has given me life in a way that I've never, ever known before. And maybe, just maybe, wherever you're at, I don't know where you're at. As Dan said, I don't come to this church, so I don't know who in front of me comes to this church regularly and who doesn't. But wherever you're at in your story, Christian, not Christian, in between, working it out, I think that question of what fulfills you, why Jesus is the most important question you can spend your life answering. And trust me, when you find Jesus in the midst of that, when you look at your story and you look at his story and you piece it together, you stitch it together, you truly find life in all of its fullness. When I rest my head on the pillow at night and it's dark and nobody's there to see me and there's no other voice, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. I'm not, I'm not trying to stuff things into my life. I'm not looking for experiences outside of God to satisfy me. I, I love going to football matches. I love playing the drums. I love doing all of that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. But I've just found, the, I've, I've found my purpose. My purpose is Jesus. And so my question to you is what's going to fulfill you? In your life today, when you go home or you go into next week, what's what's your purpose? What's the thing that's going to change your life? Do you think Jesus could be the thing that changes your life? It sounds ridiculous, I know. And there are days where I think this is ridiculous. But every single time I meet Jesus, and he reminds me again and again, that I'm saved, that I'm loved, that I'm known. There's a story in the Bible where uh, it's right at the end of one of the Gospels. And and Jesus, he's been crucified, actually. Uh, He's he's faced the worst kind of punishment that you could ever face. Um, If you were an onlooker, you would have seen this man on a cross and you would have thought, well, that, that, that kind of execution is reserved for terrorists. It's reserved for the worst of the worst, the worst criminals you could ever know. That's what that kind of death is reserved for. 
And you would see him and you would think he's a real criminal. And the reason why he's on the cross, we learn, we discover, is he's on the cross so that we don't have to pay that price. He's on the cross because he believes that sin, the selfish things of the world, the pursuits of things other than God, that's going to end us in death. It's life or death. That's where it leads. And so Jesus says, well, actually, if that's where it leads, then I'm going to make sure you don't have to go there. I'm going to take the heat. I'll take the rap. I'll take the punishment. You can kill me. Don't kill them. Kill me. And that's why he's on the cross. And he's on the cross. And in this moment, right before he dies, there's, there's a man next to him on the cross. He's not the only one being executed that day. And in the Bible, we learn that that man's called the thief, but we don't really know if he is a thief or not. We don't know why he's there. But we can assume that he's a pretty bad guy. And on the cross, this man turns to Jesus and he says, he says, what can I do? What can I do to know life in all of its fullness? What can I do to be with you in paradise? You see, Jesus had been beaten, broken, torn apart, his flesh ripped from his skin. He'd been tortured. He was, the Bible says he was unrecognisable. And yet this thief next to him recognised exactly who he was. He saw him and he saw, this is somebody I think I should give my life to. This is somebody who I think, I think he's here for me. And maybe I owe him everything for that. And he says, what can I do to be with you in paradise? And Jesus, in his agony, could have been crying out. He could have been begging for it to stop. He could have fought back. I mean, if he was God, he could have climbed down from the cross. He could have gotten rid of everybody in an instant. He could have blinked his eye and everything would have been okay. But he didn't. And even in his final moments, he turns to the thief on the cross. And he said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I followed Jesus because maybe, maybe I'm the thief on the cross. And maybe when I turn to Jesus and I say, hey, what can I do to know life in all of its fullness? Maybe he turns back to me and he says, you're there. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I'll follow Jesus for the rest of my life because in his final moments where he could have chosen anything else, he chose me. I owe him my life. And I get to know life in all of its fullness. There's another story in the Bible where uh, there's this son and he's looking for fulfillment. He's looking for all the things uh, that are going to make his life complete. He's looking to fill that hole inside of him. And so he says to his father, uh, before his dad's dead, he says, actually, I want my inheritance before you go because I, I just want to leave now. I feel like if I, there are pursuits I want to pursue that are going to give me satisfaction that working here and living here with you aren't really giving me. And his dad says, okay, go for it. And so he does, he goes out into the world, uh, partying, sleeping with prostitutes, uh, just doing everything, like full-on rock and roll lifestyle. And he gets to his lowest of his low, uh, where he finds himself uh, eating food amongst pigs in a pigsty because he's blown all the money and he's on his own and he decides, maybe I should go home. Maybe I should go back to my dad. I, I'm homeless. I'm poor. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. I need to go home. And he goes home to his father 
expecting to be in trouble, expecting to be turned away, expecting to be rejected, expecting even if he gets accepted back into the family that he wouldn't be a son again. He would maybe have to work as a servant or work uh, 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 as a slave or whatever. But his father sees him coming down the driveway and he chases after him before he even gets close to the house and he hugs him and he says, you're home. I'm so glad you're home. And he throws this enormous party because he's home. You know, that story for me relates to me. At some point in my life, I said, you know what? Yeah, maybe this God stuff, but I'm just going to go and say yes to everything else for a while. Because maybe that's going to give me something that I need. And it really didn't. And in fact, time and time again, it didn't matter how high I got or how many experiences I experienced or how many relationships I had. It didn't matter because it often was, it left me more empty than when I started. It wasn't fulfilling me, it was draining me. And then when I thought, gosh, I, should, I, should, I need to take Jesus seriously. I need to look at this stuff properly and I came home. I didn't come home and find uh, chastisement. I didn't come home and find, who are you? Jesus didn't look at me while I was on my cross. He didn't say, well, you're a thief, you're a terrorist. It's too late for you. You had your chance. You grew up in the church. You should know better. He didn't say that. While I was far off, he chased me down the driveway and he hugged me. He said, welcome home. Let's throw a party. You're back. You know, there's this other brother in that story. And this other brother, he, he sees all this happening and he thinks, that's not fair. I never left. He left. And yet there's a big party for him when he came back. He did all of these things. He squandered all that money. He squandered all of that life. And what about me? What about me? The brother stays outside when they throw the party because he's like, I can't go in there. That's not fair. He stays outside in the cold on his own. Because to him, he thinks, no, that's not right. This can't be the thing. That's not fair. I can't agree with that. That's too weird. That doesn't make sense. I couldn't join that thing. I guess there are two people in the world. There are people like the prodigal son who discover that actually there's only one thing that can truly fulfill them, and that's Jesus. And they come home and they're met with a party and they're welcomed in and all they get to know is love and kindness, not judgment or condemnation. Or there's people who stand outside and they say, that's not for me, that doesn't make sense. I don't know where you're at this morning, but maybe you're in one of those positions or maybe you're somewhere in between. But I would just encourage you, this journey of faith, life, meaning, I really believe it's one of the most worthwhile journeys you could ever go on. And maybe you come to the end of it and you think, Jesus doesn't fulfill me. And that's fine. There's no pressure. That's fine. But please go on the journey. At least go on the journey. It's the most important thing we do with our lives. That question of, is there a God? You heard in that clip, that question, is there a God? One of the most important questions we could ever find ourselves asking. Go on that journey. Ask that question. 
Listen to what other people think. Say what you think. Disagree with the videos. Question everything. But share some of your story. Because maybe, just maybe, you might find your story fits into his story. Maybe, just maybe, you'll find that thing you've been looking for. You'll find that purpose that you've been hungry for. Maybe, just maybe, you'll find that Jesus isn't such a lofty idea. That is real.